My name is Pam. I am a compulsive overeater and a food addict and your leader for this meeting. Hi, everyone. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Before we begin, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic equipment be turned off. Even if you think it's off, please check again. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. OA members are reminded when sharing to speak to your recovery in the program of Overeaters Anonymous only. To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. If there is press in the room, please do not take any authorized pictures, unauthorized pictures, or identify anyone using their full name. There will be audio recordings of this workshop, which you may purchase outside in the foyer. I will share for 20 minutes, followed by five minutes of Ask It Basket questions, finishing up with open sharing. The topic for this session is selfish, self-centered, self-seeking, or surrendering. Let's begin with a reading from For Today, page 22. Oh, the timer is supposed to read this, but I'll go ahead and do it. Am I too caught up in external priorities, achievements, and acquisitions that I have nothing to do with my spiritual well-being? that have nothing to do with my spiritual well-being. A good antidote is to take time each day to free my mind of such concerns, let my thoughts wander, perhaps into thankfulness for my new life, into awareness of myself as being created by God, in exploration of ways I can be useful to another person. Okay, my name is Pam, and I am a compulsive overeater. I also identify as a food addict... Um, compulsive eater, and other compulsive food behaviors, (laughs) and other things too. Um, So I'll start off by qualifying. My my highest recorded weight was 286. Um, I've released nearly 150 pounds. 116 of them were in program and I've been maintaining that for over five years now. I've been continuously abstinent since January 19th of 2011. And that is by God's grace and the 12 steps of OA. And I am perfectly clear on that. I have no delusions that I'm doing this it's on my own, that I did this. That's not, not what I feel like at all. Um, so I love the, I love the the um, title of this workshop, and there's no coincidences that I would be asked to lead this um, work, this um, meeting. I said workshop, I meant meeting. Selfish. Well, um, 
as it says in the big book, selfish and self-centered to the extreme, that is the root, we believe, of our problem. And I can really say that. I was like, I want what I want, and I want it now. And I was like that my whole life, as far back as I can remember. I didn't really express it uh, completely until I got older. Um, uh, self um, centered, I was always seeking pleasure. I thought that meant happiness. And the more I chased after it, the further away it got from me. At first, when I confused pleasure for happiness, you know, I would think that I was happy when I found pleasure in a multitude of things. Um, but it was fleeting. And um, I came to learn the difference when I got here. And self-seeking, um, like I said, when when I said I want what I want and I want it now, I got like that much older when I was able to leave home. I couldn't wait to get out of there. I wanted to do whatever. I wanted to be free. And I wanted to do it. Ever I wanted to do. Nobody was going to tell me what to eat, when not to eat, or any of that stuff. Um, I even remember when I was three years old when my mother w- was a real uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner kind of gal. Not that that's anything new, but <laughs> breakfast, lunch, and dinner has pretty much been around for quite some t- lot longer than my mother, that's for sure. She's, she's long gone now, but... Um, and and I'd and I'd always want more, and I'd sneak into that kitchen, and um, sometimes she would catch me, and she'd reprimand me. You know, I told you not to come in here between meals. I don't want you eating, and I don't want you in the kitchen. And it was kind of like you know, on Charlie Brown when he's listening to his parents, <laughs> exactly, wah wah wah, because. Instead of standing, I mean, a very small child, three even, instead of looking at her and thinking, oh, I ought not do this. My mother doesn't want me to do this, so I I really better stop. That never entered my mind. What I was thinking was, I better be more careful and not get caught next time. (laughs) That's all I was thinking. And that was the way that my whole life went, and that's why I couldn't wait to get out of there, and I was going to do whatever I wanted to do. And that was what caused all the problems, (laughs) because everything that I did, I did to excess, and everything that I did led to other problems. I never really chose... um, the path that was the healthiest thing for me always went in the other direction. Um, And I thought, you know, like it says in the big book, I suffered from terminal uniqueness. And I've heard people say in other fellowships that I was an egomaniac with an inferiority complex because all the time I was doing those things, I always felt like everybody else. And you know, you've heard this before. I've heard it a million times, but I, it's coming straight from my heart that everyone else got the handbook on how to live life. And I was just, they, they all knew I was left out of it. Like, like they all knew they had it and I didn't get it, you know? And I was just kind of, you know, 
um, like like a, without a rudder. I was always without a rudder. Like I said, just looking for pleasure, something to make me feel good. That was what I wanted. Um, so anyway, enough about what I was like. When I ended up in program, I mean, I was basically, <laughs> wasn't like I came, you know, skipping in the room thinking, hey, what's going on in here? You know, what are you guys doing? No, everything's great. Just wanted to see what's going on in OA. It wasn't like that at all. I was really, really low. I was at the lowest point in my life when I ended up in OA, and I didn't have much hope, but I went with a friend of mine, and I did hear hope, and I thought, well, maybe, you know, maybe, just maybe, this will work for me. I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, excited about surrendering things. There was a lot of things that had to go along with the surrender. First of all, I had to accept that I have this disease. That was a hard one. That's step one. That was really hard. I don't want to be a food addict. Yeah, I was almost 300 pounds, but I mean, I still didn't think I was. I thought I had a weight problem and I was going to figure this thing out, you know, on my own. And I had tried every way, every way, and I still had not figured it out on my own. Um, And then I had to have a willingness to treat the disease. That's another thing. Um, That was, I needed acceptance and and willingness kind of equaled surrender to me. They are all all interchangeable. I think surrender and willingness equals acceptance, and I think that acceptance and surrender equals willingness. They are all kind of interchangeable to me, but the spiritual principles are kind of like that. They all work in harmony. Um, there was a lot of letting go that I had to do, that let go and let God, and I thought, what does that mean? And I had to really work the steps. Uh, once I, I put the food down, got truly sober from, you know, the, um, the things I was drugging myself with, the excess food and the substances that I was drugging myself with, and really worked the steps and developed a relationship with God, and found out what I was letting go and letting who, what it was that I was letting go for or to. Um, I heard people say surrender to win. You know, um, I had to surrender my will, my will and my life. Right? I had to. I had to turn those over to the care of God in in my third step. And I learned that my will is my thoughts, and my life is my actions. And I had to be really, really aware of what I was thinking and what I was doing in order to ask God for help with those things. I mean, I basically just was kind of like bulldozed my way through everything, you know, running over stuff and knocking it out of the way. And I had to stop doing that. I had to be more careful about the way I was living my life. Um, and surrender to the solution, this this treatment. Um, I heard a gal say at a meeting one time, um, what's wrong with surrender? You know, you wave a little white flag, nobody can shoot you, and you get to go over to the side that's winning. And so I thought, you know, that 
that's a good idea. <laughs> I think I need to do that. I mean, it made a lot of sense. I mean, it was a cute way of saying it, but it was like, this is where I am. It's surrender time. And um, I had to learn to take direction. I had to stop being offended by words like obedience and discipline. <laughs> I used to think those words were very offensive um, for a variety of reasons, a multitude of reasons, actually. But I had to redefine my, my, my perspective on those words had to change. I had to see them as had to be obedience to this power greater than myself that I was desperately seeking so that I'd stop seeking pleasure and instead look for the power that I needed to help me solve this problem of food addiction. And, and here I am now, I mean, I'm 60 years old and, uh, you know, like I said, I've been continuously abstinent for five and a half years now, working my program as hard as I can all the time because I really do believe this is the, the treatment for the disease. Um, and I'm 60 years old and I finally want what I have. That has never happened to me before in my life. It's the most incredible feeling, but I know that I have to keep working every day, surrendering these things. I mean, uh, my own personal things that I had to come to terms with, and uh, this is only my story, I cannot tell anyone else's story but mine, um, sugar, flour, caffeine, sweeteners, I haven't had those things for five and a half years. Um, I was drugging myself with those things. I mean, we were talking about feelings in the, in the last workshop, the last um, meeting, sorry, the last marathon meeting that I was at, and, um, you know, I used to feel my feelings in my stomach and then I'd want to eat to like just kind of squash them or just give my stomach something else to do. I wasn't running for vegetables. <laughs> I was running for sugar, flour, caffeine, sweeteners. Those were the things I was running for. And I was just increasing the problem that I was having with my feelings because they were creating this uh, reaction to these substances that was very, you know, it was either a stimulant or it could have been a sedative, depending on how I combined them and when I had them. It just, you know. So I didn't want to give those things up, but I knew they were a problem for me. I knew if I didn't, I was never going to get off that um, that sort of merry-go-round, as they call it, which it's not a very merry merry-go-round, I can tell you that. But um, I just kept uh, fighting it. I didn't want to let go of any of it. I mean, I let go of the sugar, and things got a little bit better. I let go of the flour. Things got even better. I let go of the caffeine and the sweeteners, and things got a lot better. And I fought it every step of the way. Surrender is like, that was another bad word for me. No, I'm not going to surrender. No, you won't see me surrender. But I had to. I had to do those things in order to come to terms with um, treating the, the addiction. That I really needed to do. And, and, it's, and it's like I said earlier, how many times did I think... Something was going to be amazing, and it wasn't. 
whatever, anything. And how many times did I think something was going to be really awful? And, I, and then it wasn't. You know, I always say I thank God for the good and the bad because I don't even know the difference. You know, I thought it was going to be awful to have to get rid of those things. And it's been the best thing that's ever happened to me. I'm free from the obsession and compulsion now. Um, It's easy for me to surrender something that I don't like or don't want or I'm not attached to somehow. But the trick has really been surrendering something that I like or that I think I need or that I think I want. And instead, finding God's power in its place and turning to that. Instead of thinking that something that's going to make me feel better is what I really need. I really need that power greater than myself. That's what I'm going to need for step one. I'm powerless, right? And I just need to surrender to the process of recovery. We um, talk about the food a lot, talk about eating a lot, but I know now it's not about that. It's about, treat for me, it's about treating addiction. For me, it's about sanity. Thank you. Step two says it right there. You know, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. It's a, it's a kind of a sideways way of saying, hey, this is insane. Do something, you know. Um, so I accept my powerlessness um, and, and through the steps, I'm turning to a power greater than myself. I'm turning to God instead of eating. So what, what turned out, what, what started out as being a bad word, surrender, and, and what ended up being just a wonderful way to live because I've learned how to take that into other areas of my life. It started with the abstinence. It started with a plan of eating that stops me from drugging myself so that I can work my program of recovery, work my steps, and really have that relationship with God, which is all I ever really needed all along, and I just didn't know that. Well, it's taken years. Like I said, it's taken years. But um, there's nothing There's nothing that I can eat that would give me the the feeling that I get from turning to my higher power. That's the most important thing in the world to me now. That's what I want. Um, If you would have asked me before program if I was selfish, self-centered, or self-seeking, I absolutely would have said no. It's like that movie that Bette Midler was in, I can't even think of it, where she was talking about herself, and and somebody said, uh, yeah, you're always you know, talking about yourself or whatever. She goes, oh, okay, I'll stop. So tell me what you think of me. (laughs) Tell me what you think of me. (laughs) I would have said that. I would have just not, I would not have thought that I was selfish at all. I would not have thought that I was self-seeking or self-centered. I didn't even know, but I didn't, 
I didn't know what I didn't know until I got here, and now I know it. So I'm very grateful to this program. Um, I love being able to surrender, turn things over now. Um, it, it, it's a wonderful feeling. You know, when when I heard someone say in another fellowship, um, everything I ever let go of had bruises and claw marks all over it. And it's like that with me, too, you know, and, um, and, and it, every single thing that I've had to let go of, um, it's been the same story. I didn't want to let it go, even if it was the best thing for me. Um, and then I had to find out later that letting go of it and surrendering to the process is not a bad thing. You know, it is not a bad way to go. Um, and I don't have to be afraid because I'm not alone. Well, maybe I may have some fear, but nothing like it used to be. Nothing like it used to be because I know I'm not alone. I have all of you, and I rely on that now. I've heard people say that, you know, other people in program are God with skin, and my higher power speaks to me through Every single person in this program, you know, I can't do it alone, um, nor would I want to anymore. I get such a good feeling out of being part of this amazing fellowship. It's such a wonderful, wonderful place to be, and um, I just really want to make the most of that and and do whatever I can uh, like it says in, in the, in, we say in, in our meetings, do what you can, when you can. A life of sane and happy usefulness is what we're promised as a result of working the 12 steps and service helps fulfill that promise. You know, before program, I would not have thought that sounded like a good idea. Now it sounds like a wonderful way to live and it has proven, it's Proved to be a wonderful way to live to me. So I'm very grateful to be here. And um, yeah, I, I, I love this program. I love everything about it. And thank you for letting me share. I don't know where the ask it basket is, if it has any, does it have any questions in there? Oh, okay. Thank you, dear. Any comments on relapse? Oh, that's part of my story. I I had that happen when I was still trying to manage caffeine, and uh, I had I had lost significant amount of weight trying to manage, um, you know, f- fifth ingredient sugar and caffeine and. Tons of sweeteners, like my my sponsor that I have now says, that's like poking the sugar monster with a stick, the the sweeteners. And uh, I was in relapse for about a year, and it just proved to me that thin is not well, and abstinence is not recovery. Um, what I had to do was um, experience a lot more pain. I had to experience a lot more pain. 
And then finally my sponsor said she didn't think she could help me anymore, which was the best thing anyone's ever done for me, really. She told me I needed to find another sponsor, which I didn't want to do again, but I had to surrender to uh, another sponsor. And um, she cleaned up my food plan. And um, once my once I stopped drugging myself, I went through terrible caffeine withdrawal. Oh, it was horrible. And um, once I got all the drugs out of my system and started really working a program of recovery, all nine tools, all 12 steps, um, I got into a group step study and really committed to working the tools every day, making... Uh, minimum, I make a minimum of three outreach calls a day. I, I weigh my food, uh, three meals a day, nothing in between, drink only, nothing in between except water, God, and life. I've heard people say that. And, um, you know, no sugar, no flour, no caffeine, no sweeteners. Um, I go to three committed meetings a week, committed, where I have service positions and, I'm expected to be there unless something happens. Now, the relapse thing happened before, and, and I and I I I'm a, I have a sponsor. I am a sponsor. I call my sponsor every morning at six forty-five. My sponsees call me every morning. We have fifteen-minute conversations. We talk about action plans and um, commit our food and um, those calls and um. um it wasn't because the last five and a half years were so easy that I've been able to stay continuously abstinent. I went through breast cancer treatment. Um, I, I seriously hurt my ankle, was in a fractured boot for six months. Just coming back from a fractured tibia, I was in a wheelchair for eight weeks. Um, I mean, and, and I've had a lot of other losses like my best friend just recently died. My 15-year-old dog, some dear friends, family. I mean, you know, I, I can't say my life is is completely different. It's not. Life is still the same. Things go wrong and people die and none of that has changed. But what's changed is me and the way that I get to live my life now because um, I learned from that relapse that I'm a sick person and I need recovery. I need these nine tools every day. I need the 12 steps of recovery because that's what gets me to God, that power greater than myself that um, helps me solve this problem um, that gives me the power that I need on a daily basis. Um How do you make time for phone calls daily, outreach calls? Well, I've gotten very um, systematic about it because there's some people that I know on the East Coast that I can call in the mornings before I leave for work in between my, my sponsee calls and, and when I have to leave for work. And then there are other ones that are local that I can call um, in the afternoon and then the ones in between. Central Time, Mountain Time, all the times. I've just gotten really, it's, it's gotten a flow to it. Um, how do you balance calls 
with time with your partner? Um, well, I take as many incoming outreach calls as I possibly can. I do that throughout the day. And then when my husband and I get home and we're together, I mean, we've been together for 34 years. And my husband has seen me through every phase of this disease. And he's just so relieved and happy now to see me the way that uh, I am now. He doesn't get real... Um, he doesn't interfere with anything that has to do with my program. You know, he'll he'll hand me the phone. He he drove me here today. He'll he's coming to pick me up. We we find our time whenever we can. But he's just as grateful as I am for the difference that I've been able to experience in my life. It impacts him too. He was always so worried about me, like having a heart attack and keeling over. You know. He was, and he knew how, how sick I was getting and how unhappy I felt. So, um, he helps me balance those things. He'll tell me if, you know, Hey, when are we going to have some time together or something like that? And I'll, I'll plan my, my day accordingly, but we try to make time for each other on a weekly basis. If not a daily basis, we have evenings that are, you know, just for us. Thursday, Saturday, are, are just for us. So I hope that answered the question. Um, now is the time for open sharing. Please come to the podium if you would like to share and sign the recording release form. Please stick to the topic, and the timer will remind you to stop at three minutes. That's what this is for. And, and and if you and if you want to sign the releases right here, that you're okay to, with being recorded. Because I'll keep talking. Okay. <laughs> I guess I could put this away now. Really? Um, okay, well, I guess I can tell you about when um, when I went through breast cancer treatment. Um, my sponsor held my hand every step of the way. You know, I made sure I wasn't going to stumble or take any wrong turns there. I brought my food to the hospital. I think I mentioned this earlier as well. Um, not a bad idea, <laughs> I might add, because my husband will eat anything, and he wouldn't even eat the hospital food. <laughs> so I was very grateful to have, um, you know, my food with me. And um, there were times when I had to my, work with my sponsor when I came um, out of the the recovery, uh, the the surgery. The anesthesia had me feeling very. Uh, nauseated, you know, and she helped me 
I kept in touch with her. She helped me get through that. Um, there were many times I wasn't as active as um, I usually am. I am um, now a, at 60 years old, I'm a Pilates instructor. Went from being a, a, a morbidly obese accountant in a cubicle to being a Pilates instructor, which is like, I don't know. There's so many miracles in this program, uh, I, I can't even count them all. Every day, every day that I sit down and eat my delicious abstinent meals is every one, every bite, it's just a miracle to me. Um, but uh, there were many times when I didn't feel like eating. I just wasn't active, but I knew that my body needed the nutrition. I really feel that way about eating now. Um, my food is nice and clean. Um, it's simple, you know, protein, vegetables. I don't make recipes and stuff like that. I think of it as fuel. If I go longer than six hours in between meals, I start feeling like a car running out of gas. I feel like putt, 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 you know. If it's time for me to eat, it's past six hours, and I that it rarely happens because I usually have my food with me. But if for some reason it does happen, I'll walk in the house, and my husband will want to start talking to me about something, and I'll say, can't talk, must eat. <laughs> and he'll be like, oh, okay, go ahead, go ahead and eat. You know, and and my family, even my family now, they see the change in me, and they they appreciate it so much. They guard my abstinence. You know, um, we went for our out to dinner for our thirtieth uh, anniversary. Went and stayed um, by the beach, and um, my husband. We, we checked into the room. My husband went for a walk, and he came back, and he said. Okay, I went and I spoke with the chef, and we're going to be able to get everything that you need. And I was like, I didn't ask him to do that, but they know, they see the difference. And it's not the difference on the outside. It's the, it makes me, I could cry just thinking about it because it's the difference on the inside. The difference on the inside is so much greater than the difference on the outside. It's unbelievable. I actually have pictures from before I can pass around. I brought them with me for the, um, the other meeting. The difference on the outside is remarkable, but the difference on the inside is so much greater. I mean, um, you know, I, I, I'm grieving now. I'm grieving really hard. My best friend um, for 16 years, and um, it's tough. It's really tough. Um, his mother called me and told me it was March 5th, and um, I got off the phone and I said to my husband, "Would you drive me up to San Francisco?" Because it was 5:30, and I knew that it was almost time for my dinner. And he said, of course I will. And um, I went, first thing I did was go in the kitchen and prepare my dinner and bring it with me so that I could sit there and eat in the car while my husband drove me there. And um, that's what I do. It's without, it's automatic. I don't just, 
hop in the car and, and take off and then end up in the middle of San Francisco with no dinner and wondering, how did I get here and what am I going to do? I take that extra five minutes. I always make sure I have the food that I need is already prepared ahead of time. And I just pack it up and take it with me, make it happen. I've found that, like I said, I want, I want my relationship with God more than I want anything else in this world now, more than anything. And I can't have that relationship if I'm overeating compulsively and addictively. It doesn't work. I mean, when I'm left to my own, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not bragging here. I'm just uh, saying that I've experienced this tens of thousands of times. When I'm left to my own devices, I'm eating everything I can get my hands on, drinking everything I can get my hands on, smoking everything I can get my hands on, who knows what else I'm doing, all kinds of compulsive and addictive behaviors. But when I'm in program, when I'm working my tools and I'm using my tools and taking the steps, I don't want to do those things. I don't want to. That's the biggest miracle of all. You could... Tell me, you know, here's any, like, the greatest five-star gourmet meal in the whole world, and I wouldn't take it. You know, I don't want it. I just, I just don't. I would rather have my delicious abstinent meal. I mean, my food is delicious, but... I'm not eating it for pleasure, and I'm not eating it for um, enjoyment and entertainment or distraction or anything like that. I'm eating it for fuel. I'm eating it for nutrition. I try to make the most nutritious choices that I possibly can. That's what my body needs. That's what I'm doing. I get the three meals a day to do that, you know, Um and it's good. It's delicious stuff, man. We've got great fruits and vegetables here in California. I mean, you know, we've got amazing stuff to eat here. We're, we're blessed to, to live here and to be able to, to eat this way. But, and, and, I, and I do. I, I love eating, eating healthy. Um, I love being the same size year in, year out. You know, I take out those white jeans for summer, put them on. They still fit. It's been like six summers. I'm still wearing the same white jeans, but they fit. And I do love those things, but those are side benefits. They're not my motivation. They would not be enough motivation on their own. My motivation is I believe I have a disease just like when I was diagnosed with breast cancer and there was a very specific course of treatment that they said, here's what we'll do. And I did it. There was never one day when I thought, you know, uh, 
I think I'm going to call that cancer treatment center and tell them I don't feel like coming there today. I, uh, let's pretend I don't have cancer. <laughs> let's pretend you didn't, you know, give me that diagnosis. I wouldn't do that. And I won't do that with this disease either. I know I'm a food addict. I know I'm a compulsive eater, a compulsive overeater. And I accept it. I don't want to have the disease. I didn't want the cancer either, but it happened. So I can't just hide my head in the sand and pretend like I don't have it. Um, Especially when there's such a wonderful treatment. I get to have three healthy, delicious meals a day. I get to have fellowship of all my brothers and sisters in program. Um, I get to go to amazing meetings where I get to hear um, experience, strength, and hope. Um, All these inspiring stories of people who've overcome so many things in recovery. It's beautiful. You know, I get to have a fellowship all around the world thanks to technology now with phone meetings and and um, outreach calls. Um, and most of all, I get to have God. I get to have a power greater than myself. Um, that's, like I said before, it's all I ever really wanted. I just didn't even know. I really didn't know. So I don't know what time it is. Oh, yeah, I do. Well, um, I could still keep going. <laughs> Uh, does anyone want to share now? Everyone shy. Oh. Yay. Well, thank you. Um, I'm Gina, a compulsive overeater and food addict. Um, I wouldn't have um, wanted to come up here and share except for that. About a year and a half ago, I uh, thought, oh, my God, I got a problem here and I have to do something about it. Can you hear me? I'm not used to holding a microphone. And um, Oh, can you? can everyone hear me? Oh. Okay, can everyone hear me? Um, anyway, I, so I knew, gosh, I have a problem here and, uh, I have to do something about it. And I got on the internet and I looked up Overeaters Anonymous. I had, someone had mentioned it to me like six years earlier and I thought I should check that out. And one time I think I had planned on going to a meeting and kid got sick or something and I never made it and like three more years go by. But anyway, so I, I look on the internet and I see a meeting place that's close to me and there's this name and a number for somebody to call and I call them and it was Pam and I was like oh my gosh I I mean talking to her was like breathing in this huge um, fresh breath of air Um, and 
and it was wonderful. And she was like, make sure you go. And I said, I'll be there. I'll be there. And so I have, um, I've basically gone, I, I keep going. I'm kind of back in the food now, but, um, but I have had some little, um, or a lot of little miracles. I, my excuse right now is that I didn't come into the program totally desperate. <laughs> so, but, um, and so I'm going to learn, learn the hard way, I guess. But, um, but there have been some miracles and, um, just, uh, let me see. I don't know if I might bore you with the details, but, um, little things like when it, you know, talking about surrendering and not having that self-will. I, uh, the other day I told my husband, I'm going to bring something to the neighbor's house and to, I don't want, I'm not taking my keys with me. Don't lock me out before you go to work. And he said, okay. And then something happened. I went back in. I said, oh, I have to drop something off for somebody, but don't lock me out. I'm not taking my keys. And he said, okay. And so anyway, when I get back, he had um, locked, but you know, the door was locked. <laughs> so I went into a little bit of a panic and I got really angry. How could he do that? He said he wouldn't lock me out. I think he did it on purpose. And then, you know, so I kind of tried to talk to my higher power and realized, you know, I guess actually that's his right to lock the door to the house if he wants to and not leave the house with it unlocked. But old me would have been like really mad. How could he do that? You know, because I like to, I feel good about living in a block where, you know, we, most of us don't lock our doors and stuff like that. Um, but anyway, so I'm having a lot of little tiny miracles like that. Um, and I hope that there will be tons more to come. Anyway, thanks for listening. <laughs> Thank you. She broke the ice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I sign first. Okay. Hi, my name is Mary H., and I'm a compulsive overeater. And um, I love this. Uh, I don't love the topic, but it is so important, the whole um, selfishness and self-seeking and self-centeredness and self-absorption. And um, when I started learning through the big book about what that really meant was the turning point for me because I knew I was self-absorbed, but I didn't know how to get unself-absorbed. And then I didn't really think I was selfish because I really – wasn't harming anybody. I didn't feel like I was out there doing harm. You know, most of the time I was recoiling or I was hiding. And um, so I couldn't really understand how I was being selfish. And and then the self-pity, well, I, I certainly felt that. I felt self-pity. But I didn't know how to get out of that either. And um, so learning that that, first of all, selfishness is the root of our problem, and then I had to learn how to get rid of it. And understanding that selfishness from the big book perspective is not necessarily bad motives. And it has a lot more to do with we just want our way no matter if it's good or bad. You know, like I don't want war or I don't want, you know, there's a lot of good things I, I don't want. And war is kind of a big vague one. It's more like, you know, I want uh, everybody to be happy so that I'm happy. And, uh, so I I had to see it differently that it was, um, all, it was things, I wasn't getting what I wanted no matter what it was. And, and that was causing a resentment and anxiety for me. And then the self-seeking is that I'm looking for my worth in you. You know, 
I'm seeking myself in other people, which, okay, that's people-pleasing. I kind of got that. And But how do I change that? How do I have enough self-esteem to not need your approval? And, um, and all this, well, I'm going to go through self-pity too, is um, I had a, I've been kind of battling my weight for years and successfully um, white-knuckling diet and exercise and kept a pretty normal body weight. And then when my third child was born with severe disabilities, I was broken. I was just broken. And um, I was crushed. And and I, I didn't have any more reserve left. Everything had to go to her. I couldn't do the diets anymore. You know, all that energy it takes to battle this disease on our own without a higher power and um and then the weight just came on and uh, you know pounds a month and 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 people were encouraging me well you know a good glass of wine here's some chocolates you know it was all nothing nothing but a good meal won't take care of right and I was buying all that oh do I I'm kind of going on am I being timed (laughs) anyway I'll, I'll just wrap it up with um learning that all that stuff was what was killing me and and the answer was to um you know do this program so i could be unblocked so i could learn to have a higher power that had the infinite power and love that i needed um i don't know how to quite wrap this up but you know certainly what you're talking about the the spiritual aspect i had to i had to accept that that was going to guide me out of all this stuff. And, um, and one of my mantras is uh, every day is, you know, out of self, out of self, out, 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 out of self. I just have to get out of myself because uh, it's kind of a dangerous place sometimes. Okay, that was all recorded. That was very good. Thank you. Thank you. It's true. I know. It's like they say, they say service is slimming, but what's slimming is not eating compulsively and addictively. Service helps me get out of myself. It's beautiful. Thank you. Okay, thank you all for sharing and participating. It is now time to close this session. Please stand and join hands as we close with um, OA's promise, I put my hand in yours. And at World Service, we all look at each other and Happily say this to each other and smile. Yes, it's the OA pledge. I put my hand in yours, and together we can do what we could never do alone. No longer is there a sense of hopelessness. No longer must we each depend upon our own unsteady willpower. We are all together now, reaching out our hands for a power and strength greater than ours. And as we join hands, we find love and understanding beyond our wildest dreams. Keep coming back. It it works. It's working. I love listening. I like to hear people talk about it as a kid.